This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. start a podcast hey everybody welcome to overdue it's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read my name is craig and i'm andrew and we are doing our bonus episode um on john dot you threw me for a loop there sorry uh on john dies at the end by david wong we're here live with the chat say hello chat Hello, chat. Um, they will be keeping us company while they do things other than watch Avengers or Pack, apparently. <laughs> um, so, Andrew, we do this every two months. We gather with our internet friends and talk mm, about a around book the fire around the internet fire. And I'm very, I'm, I'm very excited to do this episode because you slacked me a couple days ago and was like, I don't really like this one. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm just the tables have turned. Like what is it what's it what's it gonna be like to have you be the Andrew? And what does that leave for me? <laughs> I just don't know if I can muster the same level of rage that you do at I things. I wouldn't always call it rage though. But Yeah. You bring a hot fire that I don't know that I also like some sick rhymes, but like a hot fire that I just don't know that I can match. We'll see what happens today because this book didn't mm-hmm. make me angry. You just don't, you don't think you can dislike it with the passion, the gusto. Yes, that I, that I bring to it. Yes, um, Graham says it's not rage but disdain, which is a kind of despite all my disdain, cold, a colder, more considered form of rage. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't want to like just say offhand that. Uh, the whole episode is going to be me complaining or anything like that. I just don't think I really clicked with this book, and it's been a while since I had a hard time just yeah. getting through one. Just nothing but good ones for you for years and years. Well, you know, that's when you when you work ahead to program yourself some good books. That's what I do. <laughs> well, great, good. Um, but this is a Patreon recommendation, a little long overdue by Devin. Thank you, Devin, for your support. Devin, um, Kevin with a D. That's what they say about Devin. Devin hoped uh, we would do this for Spooktober sometime, but we're anything but punctual. Pretend. Make believe. Yes. Um, <laughs> thinking that maybe a good horror comedy book uh, might be good for that time of year. Turns out it's also good for late April. So uh, mm-hmm. that's what we're doing today. The spookiest time of the year. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, I never. All the, all the pollen is out in force. Like, there's nothing oh scary. Oh my god! I've just seeing cars. the cars coated in the yellow, the yellow tree and, dust. And we live in the city, and it just like still, it just shows. Yeah, up. we got like a tree, <laughs> and it has. We've we've cordoned the trees off into small like 
approved zones <laughs> where the trees can exist and they aren't anywhere else. They're ma- maybe and they're still it's like this. Yeah, they're mad about it. So they're messing oh. up our cars. Oh, it's like that um that M Night Shyamalan movie where the trees and wind kill everybody. What's that one? Um The Happening. The Happening. <laughs> the one where everyone stares directly at the camera for large tracts of time. Um, so David Wong is not an author I knew about. I had heard the name of this book because I think I was vaguely aware that it was made into a film uh, of the same technically, name. Technically, yes. What do you mean technically? I just mean like it It was made on a budget of less than a million dollars. It was mostly a directly to video on demand thing. And while it did appear in some theaters, it was not widely released, and it made $141,000 in in theaters, which is like I could make a movie now. We could put that would make a hundred forty one thousand dollars. We could put this podcast in a theater, maybe. Mm-hmm. What if mm-hmm. wait coming soon to Fandango events? We're so happy to announce. Oh God. The incredible true story. Um so I just want to go to the about me section for uh from David Wong's website, which is John dies at the end dot com slash about me, which is a confusing URL. About Dash Me. Yes. Um, Jason, quote, David Wong Pargan. What more is there to say, really? After being the first person to walk on the moon? No. Jason Pargan retired to a solitary life in the foothills of West Virginia where he spent the next 30 years scribbling his manifesto on complimentary magazine samples. That, of course, became the original draft of the 1994 comedy Airheads. He wasn't the first guy to walk on the moon. (laughs) Ah, You caught him. That's silly. He's an irreverent satirist. This guy who was actually born in 1975 in Illinois, graduated from Southern Illinois University, founded a website called Pointless Waste of Time while working as as a plot, as it was called, while working as a copy editor at a law firm. Um, and then started publishing his writing there. Um, yeah, um, so Poit got like a, subsumed into Cracked in like 2006, not too long after it was formed, and he's still there. Like he's still yeah. doing stuff. Yeah. He wrote. It's mostly listicles. Um, five reasons we don't appreciate Game of Thrones enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, seven reasons Americans have stopped trusting one another vote like the fate of the world depends on it like it's a i read a couple of them and it's this weird combination of here's like sometimes a serious topic or a topic i feel earnestly about Mm. and here's just like a lot of words and some of them are funny and some of them are just there (laughs) i feel like maybe this is gonna sound more pejorative than i mean it to but no, just no, just lean into it. You be the Andrew. Oh, okay. Come on, let me be the Andrew. It's April, spook April, October. Become the Andrew. Become the Andrew. I was meant to be. It sounds like he. What if Dave Barry grew up in the nineties? Ooh, what if Dave Barry did grow up in the nineties? Yes. If okay, if Dave Barry grew up in the nineties, though, then who would have inspired a generation of mild humorists? <laughs> That's a good point. I don't well no, maybe this he's just Dave Barry too, is what I'm mm. saying. Um he he did, you know, he got rolled into cracked.com apparently when he got right around the time he got the book deal for 
John dies at the end, which had started as like a serial Halloween chapter of his blog. Yeah, like every Halloween for a few years, starting in 2001, he would publish a chapter of this thing. And then he would use the um, reader comments and like work them into the story, basically using his readers as an editor, I guess. Yeah, it sounds In 2004, like it. it was, you know, he finished the manuscript and then he got a paperback version published in 2007. And after it, it, it did okay, he got a hardback version published through a bigger publisher yes. um, a couple of years later. Yes. So. Um, Andrew, and then you... he's written he's written three other yep. novels. The this book is full of spiders. Twenty twelve, uh, futuristic <laughs> violence and fancy suits in twenty fifteen. And what the hell did I just read in twenty seventeen? Sure, yeah. Th- two of those books are sequels to this book, apparently. Really? Yes. <laughs> I don't know who's who's in it. If John died at the end, well, spoiler: I John doesn't die at the end. Well then, what are we what are we doing? That's here? a great point. What are we like, doing? This is like when he said he landed on the moon all <laughs> over again. It's just lies. Um, Andrew, were you a cracked or a mad kid when you grew up? Were you a Mad Magazine? I was kid? Neither. I feel like there was a. I didn't read either of those because probably because my parents thought that they were part of the devil. Immoral okay. <laughs> lessons, <laughs> but. Um, there was yeah, it's the cracked brand of internet humor, which is very like wordy and sometimes clever, is a is a version of writing that I was really into and did some of mm. in like two thousand and one. Sure. Like sure. it was I was super into it. But then I grew out of it. And I don't know. <laughs> like part of the reason this episode's gonna be maybe a little bit harder than some of the other like cla- those classic Andrew Disdain apps. Yep. Uh-huh. Is because it's it's just hard to, I feel like it's harder to say what's funny than it is to say what's other kinds of good. Yeah, <laughs> other kinds of good. Like um, a good action movie or something. Yeah, it's tough. And it's, I find humor in books sometimes tough to parse myself. Like, I, I will occasionally have a hard time knowing when something's supposed to land as like, sarcasm um because i don't want the author to constantly be pointing it out to me right well and, com- and comedy for me has always been either like a tv medium or a, or a, an audio medium yeah. the rhythm so, of so, it. so much yeah so much of it is in the rhythm of it and the intonation and the delivery and to just do it via writing like if you just read like a classic simpsons script or something some of it would work, but not all some of it. it would, some of it would work, but a lot of it is like what the voice actors are bringing to it and, and stuff. Like, I thought of The Simpsons because you love that. Why did I have the bowl, Bart? Thing I love so much. I and you just love, used it the other day. I love the why did I have the bowl, Bart joke. <laughs> it is, and I am someone who really only watched like Simpsons season five through twelve, and that's so it's like right in the wheelhouse of my Simpsons knowledge. But yeah, that's like even when even when we can agree that something is funny, like if you're talking about The Simpsons or The Good Place or something that has a pretty uniformly good, yes, reputation for its for its humor, like you will pick different lines and and different things that you like out of it. So yeah, it's just it's hard to be not that we're objective in the first place, but it can be. <laughs> 
so much of criticism about comedy is just like that's I don't that's not funny. I don't like it. Yeah. So when we get to what I thought in the book didn't didn't work, I think I have a rationale for those, and we'll we'll kind of explore it in context. I do want to share with you just one of those classic cracked magazine bits, Andrew. Please, because I was share one of those classic bits. I'm we can only say the word classic like one more time each this episode. So husband it and use it well so i was a cracked kid growing up i didn't really read what me worry mad magazine um i always thought that you had kind of an irreverent skewed perspective (laughs) Uh on the world (laughs) Uh and i really don't remember much about what was in these but i did find um some old there was a segment called shut ups (laughs) that uh were apparently like just two panel comic strips where so I'm just gonna read one to you, and it's a dad talking to his son. He says, "Johnny, when Abraham Lincoln was your age, he was out splitting rails for his family." And then the next panel, the kid says, "Shut up! When he was your age, he was president." Get it? Yeah. Well, Farmer Brown, I shot these horses just like you told me to. And there's a lady standing next to a dead horse. And in the next panel, the farmer says, "Shut up! I wanted them shod, not shot." Crack. Okay, so that's just Crack. that's just a New Yorker <laughs> cartoon or something. I don't know what that is, but there's no reason for that to be a shut up thing. Yeah, well, I kind of get the Abraham Lincoln thing. That's the format of the joke, though. Is they have to say shut up? Do they have to? That's what they're called they have shut to? ups. <laughs> well, I know that's that's why most, they want to. Most say of my shut up. memories of to. Cracked Magazine are a lot of like puns on movie titles and things like that just kind of like you treading on pop culture to get a chuckle i mean wasn't that the provenance of mad magazine too though like new kids on the black or whatever (laughs) stupid alfred e newman thing yeah yeah um we can get into the book in just a second um it is worth noting that uh as we said earlier, David Wong's name is not David Wong. Um, it is not. He it his name is what did I say? Jason Pargan. Jason Pargan. His justification that he gave in a Reddit AMA. Oh it's not a very interesting story. David Wong was the villain in a story I had written way back in the day. So when I was signing up for my first online accounts in 1998, I started using it. Then when hate mail started coming in. Uh, with racist insults, I realized I had either gone badly wrong or badly right. The quote I have says, when hate mail started coming in with a bunch of racist anti-Chinese insults. Oh, okay. Specifically. Specifically. Okay. Which is like, you know. There's a, there is a. A cool, ironic internet racism. Yeah, there's, well, there's a late, <laughs> I feel like there is a, like, turn of the millennium political incorrectness that runs throughout this book that is unaware of the ways in which the 20 teens have taught us how that is potentially bad. Does that make sense? Like the, no, it does like you, you're it's, it's in the phase where that was, was funny, funny, funny and not serious. And I'm saying funny in so many (laughs) quotes. I don't know if you can hear how many quotes I'm using, but the weeds, I think there is still an element of like, oh, the internet's not real life, and oh, people on the internet behave differently than they do in real life, and that's like a meaningful distinction. Sure. 
and it makes it okay to some extent, you know? Yes, 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 yes. Um, the character in the book uh, is also called David Wong, not a person of any a person of Chinese descent. Um, in fact, someone who was uh, the character adopted. Um, after his mother was institutionalized and then wanted to kind of just disappear slash run away with a different identity. So as he tells an interviewer in the book, Wong is the most common surname in the world. You try to Google it. You get a lot of results to sift through before you get to me. So it was done as a, as a way to disappear uh, through the character's understanding. Okay. I don't know that I'd think that was a good creative choice but that's the choice that is that is made in the book yeah shut up (laughs) tell me about this book did i do it right yeah you did do it right um so yeah i mean people in the chat are pointing out that he should have known better than to do that from a like appropriation perspective uh and encouraging racist internet behavior perspective and that's certainly true I'm just trying to to give you what the man said at the time. Um, the book itself, Andrew, do you like yes. do you like slacker buds? Do you like guys who hang out and just kind of get drunk and play video games? Like your sort of mall rats kind of yeah. Kevin Smith, yeah, universe protagonists. John and his uh, Dave. Dave is the main character, and his friend John. Let me say. Uh, they work at a video store together in a Midwestern town that is only ever referred to as undisclosed. Why would that be? Because these two guys have a reputation of dealing with paranormal incidents. And uh, the premise of the book, by and large, is that Dave is telling his supernatural story to a reporter who's going to write an article about him. They have people on message boards talking about these kind of Ghostbuster-esque guys, and they're gaining a bit of a following for what they're doing, so might as well uh, like write an article about them. The opening scene where we get to see them in this Ghostbuster mode, Andrew, they have been summoned to a woman named Shelly's house who claims her boyfriend is haunting her. Why is her name Shelly's house? Ayo, shut up. Shut up. about this book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And when they get there, they are both under the influence of some sort of drug that is warping their reality. They realize that they are not seeing the same woman. Like, she is appearing differently to them, which is kind of your early warning that this book is going to have a lot of unreliable narrator stuff where they are under the influence of various substances and... Uh, you don't know what's happening. It's a fun, it's a fun disorienting read in that way. Fun in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they show up. They realize that this woman Shelley may or may not be real. Uh, something happens where they pass out. I don't remember. And they wake up and they have to fight. Um or deal with a giant man made out of, like, meat? Like, he's... I mean, we're all made out of meat. Yeah, so that's an interesting question that the book proposes. Um, (laughs) Whether we're all made out of meat? Well, no, what makes us us? If the book has a central, like, philosophical question, 
It is like, are we good people, and what makes us us, whether or not we're good people? Like, what yeah, so is I the thought, self? Is this, is this in the book? Because I saw when I was reading about the movie that there's this scene where he's asking, like, if you have an axe and you replace the handle of the axe and then later you replace the head of the axe, is the whole thing still the same axe? Yes, there's an opening riddle where... You're fighting a zombie with an axe, and you cut its head off, and you break the axe in doing so, so you replace the head of the axe, and the zombie comes back to life with a new head and says, hey, is that the same axe that killed me? Yeah, it that's the riddle I get. It, the book doesn't really answer the riddle. It never comes back to that. Well, so what do you think? Or should we say that for the end, after we have after we have all the information? Let's, let's get all the information on the table, <laughs> okay. and then we'll solve this riddle sure. that never matters in the rest of the book. I wouldn't want to jump the gun. Um, so just to get you a little sense of the humor here at the top, Andrew, they're, they're fighting this meat monster, and it thinks that they are this like doctor of the supernatural, Albert Marconi. I think his name is Albert. Um, Marconi let's just say and so they call Marconi on the phone and they're like hey we got a meat monster that wants to talk to you and the meat monster picks up the phone and says so we meet again Marconi Andrew meat is spelled M-E-A-T yeah no that's okay I like that actually this book is funny you thought you had vanquished me but and then like the Marconi says something into the phone that makes the the meat like disappear uh, like the the soul goes out of it and just lifeless meat like slaps to the floor. So <laughs> slaps to the floor. <laughs> the lifeless meat slapped to the floor piece by piece. The cell phone clattering next to the pile. Maybe this book is good. Um, <laughs> and that's our like opening gambit. Uh, we see that's another thing that happens when you're the Andrew is that in the course of discussing the book, it makes you think about it more, and then sometimes you come around on it. Uh, we get our intro to Dave, who is in the diner talking to that guy, the reporter I talked about, Arnie, and he's like, yo, I've done all this crazy stuff. Me and my friend, we did some drugs and then like fought a bunch of demons. Um, do you want to like tell my story? And it becomes this really <sighs> tiresome book where I never really know what's going on or why. And I really want books to mean things. And it's mostly a bunch of dudes getting high, and I don't have problems with people getting high. But when I don't know why they're doing the things they're doing, it makes it hard to read. <laughs> you don't you just don't, you don't like the idea of people just sitting around and being blazed out of their minds and just like doing stuff and for I'm, no reason maybe i'm overplaying that element but the, is it the, is it that you you don't like that or it, like that activity or that you don't like having to read a story about that like these <laughs> there's not even as much slacking as i'm playing up there's lots of like gross bug stuff and like oh we found this okay so the big thing is that we found this like super space drug that we refer to as soy sauce because we don't have a real name for it it just looks like soy sauce and it becomes sentient like a bug and then it like eats dave's face and then he's wicked high and can see through time and you're like mm -hmm. okay this is where the book's going and most of the monsters are like some kind of 
Yeah, like cracked magazine version of Cthulhu monsters where like one guy gets filled with the space bugs and then he can summon a scorpion with baby hands and seven legs and blonde hair that can... This is all in the book. Like, well, this is like this sounds like that. Remember that PlayStation Three commercial with the weird baby? It is. It's exactly <laughs> it's like, like the goddamn PlayStation Three commercial. <laughs> Can we cuss like that? We have to cuss like... because there's a character named Shitload. I should have told oh, you. Well, okay. I have... Audrey says thematically, this book seems very much like the book your ex-boyfriend, who is still very into ska, would like. Wait, wait a second. What is all ska bad? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just needed to check. I don't know what I don't know who did this to me where I get ska on all my Spotify Discover weeklies, but I wish it would stop. I wish I could stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I could still do that ska dance. What's that called? Skunkin? What's that called? I don't know if it's called skunkin. It's the thing where you just hop and kick a bunch and like punch in front of you. You do the it sounds kick like punch. dancing. Skanking. It's called skanking. <laughs> skanking. It's not called skunking. Anyway, the way that this drug gets introduced to their lives is they're at a house party. Yeah, okay. Graham is talking about classic, no doubt. That's good ska. Do it. Great. I think that's regular music with horns. With horns. In it. That's a fine ska. line. It's You're not right. Spiritually it's a fine ska. Line. Um they're at this party where John has a band um. Here's their set list, Andrew. You're going to judge how funny it is. Okay. It's six songs. Should I judge one song at a time, or should I judge the whole thing judge, holistically? React honestly as we go. Okay. Camel Holocaust. Gay Superman. Okay, no. Uh, no. Stairway to Heaven. Sure. Love funny. My Sasquatch. No. 30 Reasons Why I Dislike Chad Wellsberg. Cracks.com article. Love Me Tender. That's their set list. That's fine. Okay. That one's fine. The band does have three bassists. Okay. And how many, like, what's, where is everybody else? Drums and guitar vocals. This sounds fine, actually. Okay. It's experimental. Yes. Um, Every performance where, where Dave can attend, he fakes like a seizure or something. And then John emerges from the audience and says, I guess I'll play instead. Um, at this party, they're introduced to the drug I alluded to earlier, soy sauce. It seems to come from another dimension. Um, a fake Jamaican man named Robert Marley gives it to them at a later house party. He explodes after taking the drug, like literally explodes gore and guts everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, multiple people at that party die, which gets the cops involved. Um, and then they go on some adventures where they have to track down, like, this guy named Justin who's been infected by flying white worms that came mm -hmm. out of the soy sauce. Mm -hmm. And now they call, he refers to himself as shitload because he actually <laughs> is the bugs. And the word... The, like Oogie Boogie. Well, yeah, and he says... Um, I'm shitload because there's a shitload of us in here, is what he says. Uh, later, this character is referred to as the hybrid walking demon hive and Limp Biscuit fan to give you a sense of who this dude is. Mm -hmm. He kidnaps everyone and takes them to Vegas. 
where he's going to have our our Dr. Marconi summon some sort of hell portal. It seems like the worms are trying to summon creatures from the other side. Uh, some of the monsters piss and poop a lot. That's funny. You know, it's <laughs> that's real really, funny. That's really funny. <laughs> At one point, Shitload jumps in the air by farting, you know? That's classic. funny, too. That's I used my last classic for the episode. There you go. Um, to get into the Vegas casino where they're going to try and save the world from this disaster, they mm-hmm. have to ste- steal a bunch of costumes from Elton John's band. So they're all dressed like Elton John band members. His band would have, I think, the funniest costumes. Yeah. I can I can stand behind that. Sure. It's pretty good. Um and this was a moment like this there's every once in a while there's like a little scene that like kinda works. And one is like so it's John and Dave, some other people including Jim, who is like this uh religious guy who thinks that maybe he could have saved the fake Jamaican man named Robert Marley. Um, and he tries to like research the drug, but gets hooked on it. Um, some other people that are with them and they all go around and they're like, well, if we die going in there, you know, take care of my sister or you can have all my video games or, uh, tell everyone that I didn't actually die, but maybe I'm out there somewhere. So I become sort of like a Bigfoot. I think everybody in this group of people would have the exact same video games, though. Like, I don't know that they're mostly playing like, <laughs> uh, like PS2 era hockey games, like, and and some. We did you like know. a good PS2 era hockey game ourselves. Yes, that's true. Um, Gabby points out that Jim was also high on the soy sauce. That's true. Everyone in this book, almost everyone, was was high on the soy sauce, um, and. Along so up until this point, the book has had like a lot of uh violent stuff going on, and every once in a while it explores like a tripping that is like kind of cosmic. I'll give you two examples, Andrew. How much do you like tripping balls? I would I would trip a few. Yeah, you trip a few balls. Just a few. It's Thursday night. Like <laughs> I can't trip that many. Um, when when Dave first takes the drug, um, or when, I think when John first takes the drug, Dave realizes how powerful it is because he's like taking John to a Denny's to try and calm him down from his bad trip, like you do. Mm-hmm. And Dave answers his phone, and John from like the future, I guess, is calling him and talking to him. Mm-hmm. So the drug gives you like extra reality powers does it give you powers or does it make you believe that things are happening is it clear in the book which one is happening i it likes to play with both but when in doubt it is happening Um, okay once you have been exposed to it you can see things that normal people cannot see there are like like the people being run by worm people they can see like what they they end up calling those people shadow men um because they are coming from the other dimensions slowly to colonize our reality and uh you can see them if you've been on the drug and and uh, there are some like magical scooby doo glasses later in the book that you can use to see them when scooby doo glasses there were no i mean velma wore glasses they're, what are you well they're about? like a toy like a like a scooby doo like ghost finder toy that 
is sent to these guys because they are like internet famous uh ghostbusters okay um but anyway so that's that's one thing that that john can do he just ends up talking to dave a lot through different things he talks to him through a bratwurst he talks to him through a dog um dave his life ends up being saved by the soy sauce because he can travel through time maybe okay uh, when they are investigating the party where everyone died from the drug, uh, Dave and and a cop, um, who's Detective Appleton, I think is his name, um, who's figuring out that this drug is is killing people and is there to like burn this trailer to the ground. Um, he's about to shoot Dave, and Dave like freezes he doesn't freeze time but in that moment he travels back in time to when the bullet was made distracts a man on the assembly line which creates a flaw in that bullet Uh so that when it shoots dave it has reduced force and he doesn't die what a wildly specific use of time travel yes and he's not like he doesn't like deliberately do it right but it's just sure. a thing that happens to him because of the sauce. That's a thing that bugs. Okay, let's talk about time travel for a minute. Sure, let's, just let's take do a it. break from this book. <laughs> <laughs> we take in a lot of breaks. Let's the th- go for the it. thing about time travel fiction that bugs me so much is that everybody just goes back to like they go back to fix a thing, but they don't. Nobody's interested in going back and fixing the systemic problem. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes. It's just like politics. You're right. Nobody wants to fix. Nobody wants to time travel and fix the big stuff. Well, here's the other problem that they similar. all just want to be like, "What if my mom and my dad met and loved each other?" Mm-hmm. And my dad had a better job. And my dad had a slightly better job. Yes, not a not a great, not a much better job, but just a better, but just job. a slightly better job. But it's, but you could go back and try and change the norms of society so that. There's not like the jock nerd dichotomy in the first place. Like, why don't you like fix the fix it, fix the thing? Yes. Graham points out in the chat, Andrew Chrono Trigger, which is a good video game where they do try to avert like world disaster through time travel. They okay, so they avert a future disaster, but what they're trying to do in terms of their day to day lives is just preserve the status quo. Yeah, that's fair. Because they would have lived and died. They would have lived their whole lives and died not knowing that the apocalypse was coming. They got to solve a problem bigger than themselves, you know. Yeah, and that's what these characters end up doing in the book. John dies at the end, which we are ostensibly talking about. <laughs> um, I just feel like the time travel in this book is weird. There's another element later when they finally figure out what the big bad is. Which is not quite a. It's sort of time traveling. It's not the man, the the man of bugs. It's, it's not him. Well, <laughs> it, it is like the it, be it is the source of the man of bugs. Um, so the source of the man of bugs is uh, a creature or thing or eldritch horror called Korok, not Turok, but Korok. <laughs> and uh, Korok, they they do some reading in a book and again dave is trying to relay all of this to an interviewer that's the frame narrative of the book um they research this thing called korok which appears in multiple cultures throughout the world uh which lends it credence as some sort of big bad evil apparently uh its symbol is a 
a pi sign, like the pi, the symbol for pi. Like the number? Yeah. On its side. 3.14159? No, well, not the number, but the symbol, the one that looks like a little wavy house. No, I know. I'm just, I was saying all the digits of pi I knew. Yeah, okay. To make everybody think I'm smart. Uh, but it's like, it's on its side with the two lines facing to the right. Um, and various people have tried to interpret what this symbol means. Um, and one culture thinks it is a man punctured by two spears, one in the mouth and one in the groin, the twin desires of man. Nice. Uh, another That's one funny. is... <laughs> this is all so funny. The, another one is maybe it's two lines coming out of the man, vomit and pee. <laughs> <laughs> the, two, the twin liquids. Man, come that on. That made me laugh. <laughs> what the vomit and pee made you laugh? Yeah. Uh. So <laughs> this, okay, so they find this stuff out after they have vanquished a a sportscaster, a news a newscaster um, who was infected by the the soy sauce. Um, they defeated him in an abandoned mall where they also found a portal to another world. Um, they have. Uh, this woman Amy has joined the party, the adventuring party. Um, she, with very little uh, setup, becomes a romantic interest for Dave, and uh, ultimately also becomes a kind of like princess rescue character. Um, and the three of them do travel into the other universe, which they refer to as Shit Narnia. Of course they do. Great. Uh-huh. And they uh, are welcomed there by some doctors or something. Um, and someone tells them that in 1864, Andrew, a split universe was created because a man named Adam Rooney. Oh, I can't wait to hear what funny, stupid, funny thing Adam Rooney did. Adam Rooney tried to crossbreed some animals. And when he tried to do that in our timeline, he was gored by like a bull or something. And in this book, he in this universe, excuse me, he lived and he went on to create like all sorts of animal organic hybrids that basically prevented or like circumvented the need for modern computing because we just all have animal technology now. Um, so you could develop creatures that could fill certain needs imagine like i guess all the dinosaurs from the flintstones but like bespoke it's a living but they're like hell hell monsters but they're hell monsters (laughs) um and they are led by a thing called korok um which has been sending out these bugs to infest the other universe let me just describe to you what dave says korok is yeah tell me about koroks when I try to bring up an image of Korok in my mind, I see only the glob of stuff that collects in the kitchen drain, the mass of grease and hair washed by years of filthy dishwater. It was like someone collected all the drain slime in the world and knitted it into something the size of the Statue of Liberty, then brought it to life with the psychotic energy that fuels lynch mobs. Cool. Mm-hmm. The first thing it does when they encounter it is make fun of Dave's penis, because the book's so funny. It calls his. Wiener. That's funny because, like, what if he had a bad dick? <laughs> <laughs> that 
That's like the funniest thing. It's like, calls, what if it was bad? He calls his wiener small. Mm-hmm. Um, That's funny. They, uh, while they, after they got <laughs> high, they had made a bomb like MacGyver style. They had put it in the dog Molly that they'd been traveling with the whole book. Um, this dog does die at least once in the book. So if that's a thing, just like skip those chapters, I guess. The dog dies at the end. Um, the dog does blow up and they blow up shit Narnia. And then the end of the book takes a hard turn into some body snatcher stuff where like maybe Dave is a body double of the, of a worm version of himself Maybe Arnie isn't a real person. He's just a projection from Dave's mind because he's got those drugs. Um, it's just... It's a lot. The book is either... It's either people sitting around and doing stuff that doesn't matter or the book is telling you that nothing matters because you don't even know what actually is for real happening while you're reading it. I That's what... I, I had a hard time, like... It does, and I don't want to bring it all back to that dumb lie he told about being the first person on the moon, but I find that style of humor where it's just like, I'm going to lie to you, you stupid idiot. Like, I find that frustrating and not funny at all. And it doesn't, what, what I found underwhelming about it is that it doesn't really unpack that lie. Does that okay. make sense? Like, it isn't interested in, or at least does not to my preference let's say explore the type of person who might be that goofy and because it is like a first person narrative so a lot of the irreverence is in there through the character and it doesn't really seem to like it doesn't really seem to explore that person there's like Uh one anecdote about dave's background that is actually like deadly serious Where he was, like, jumped by a bunch of bullies in his school, and he doesn't actually explain what happened, uh, like, what they did to him, but it is is understood to be very bad, right? Uh And he then, like, brings a knife to school and, like, messes up the lead bully of the gang, and then that bully is, like, blinded and then later takes his life because his life is so bad. And Dave, like acknowledges that he should have remorse but doesn't and so you get this like persecuted nerd slacker beat that is very real but doesn't and i think is meant to relate to like the otherworldly cruelty of the worm people and the shadow monsters mm-hmm. but ultimately kind of feels like a slightly different book it does. It just feels too real. I don't know if you've encountered that in any of the stuff that we've read, where you're just like, "Here's a part. Here's a page or two that feels like it was airlifted in from another." Well, I just yeah, like I I don't. I feel like part of what's drawing the attention here is that the rest of the book is just totally not like this, and so it heightens the bummertude of whatever it is that this is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so catching up on the chat a little bit. Um, Sarah says that um, they're worried about the feelings of the person who suggested this book. Sure. And so with that in mind, is there anything that you did enjoy hmm. or anything that like did work for you? Yeah. I think uh, the character Amy is an interesting character who I would like more of 
she despite I, I alluded earlier to like her position in the book as an unearned love interest and then like later a, a princess to rescue but i do think that she is like written with some uh good humor she uh, she actually tells a joke that kind of made me laugh mm-hmm. um and i'm just going to read that's you kind of the point of jokes so that's um, good I have a friend who was in the grocery store one day and her arm like bursts into flame just like that, just her arm. And she's screaming and waving her arm around and around, flames shooting everywhere. Finally, the cops showed up and arrested her. Arrested her, says John. Why did possession of an unlicensed firearm? Okay. Okay. That's like just a straight up joke. Future dad, I can be into that. Yeah. Uh, I think the set... A little bit too much setup, just a little yes, bit. Yes, that's my only criticism. Sure. Um, during uh, the Vegas fight scene, um, John is running around hitting scorpion monsters with chairs, and every other every it's it's paced like a Hollywood action scene. And so this this book is in conversation with like horror movie action pacing and tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think if there might be references I'm not getting, and maybe that's a thing that's preventing it from working for me. There might be like, like look at the catalog of the guy who made the movie, which is a lot of like B horror movie stuff that I don't know very well. So maybe that's what's going on. But during the fight scene, we keep getting snippets of John hitting bugs and stuff with, uh, with chairs and going donate blood to charity. Here's dessert with a cherry on top. You want the chair jokes, huh? You want the committee. You best meet the chair. <laughs> okay, that was good. <laughs> like, and there's just enough of them that they build correctly, and it just kind of that's the kind of stuff that pops off the page when you're like, I don't really understand these goo monsters. Oh, here's a character just kind of saying some some funny stuff. Yeah, it's like. I know knowing nothing about the book before we before I started researching about it like two hours ago. <laughs> um, I guess I was expecting it to be like okay, so so the end of the book is on the cover. It's like mm. that Sesame Street book, which I'm pretty sure I've talked about on the podcast before, called "The Monster at the End of This Book," where oh. the whole book is Grover and he's talking to you and he's telling you, he's pleading with you, please stop turning the pages because there's a monster at the end of this book. He's going to scare everybody. And at the end of the book, it's Grover. (laughs) And so I was kind of hoping it would do some more like some meta narrative stuff. And like, what, what can I do to play with your expectations? Because ostensibly the reason to read a book is to get to the end, but you already know the end. So what can I do to like make you invest in this character in the story anyway? And it sounds like, there's just like poop, there's <laughs> like poop jokes, yeah. which is pretty far off from what I had thought it might be. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's one-liners and stuff like that that pop out. Um, there are, uh, there is a section that I think is not even a joke section. I do just think it works where when Amy, and I was co- trying to get to this when I was talking about Amy, um, she her main introductory scene is she has like disappeared dave thinks he's killed her when he like blacked out for a day she does come back they find her they see that she has been like rigging her bedroom with webcams and like entering a chat room to like log when she disappears at like midnight every 48 hours and it, this the shadow men have been abducting her for some reason but okay um 
So there's a couple pages. I think I've seen an episode of Star Trek that's this. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> people it, like disappear off the Enterprise for undisclosed periods of time. And so there's like the trope of like, well, how am I going to capture the moment when she disappears? Um, and so she is logged into this chat room and it's like a couple pages of chat transcript, which I think is like, okay, that's of a certain time and certainly works uh, works differently at different times. Um, but it's these like people chatting with her and they're like, oh, you know, we can't wait to see when you disappear. And she's like, I'm going to go walk the dog. And they're like, no, don't go. And then like over time, while these people are chatting about kind of inane nonsense, the they just start saying words that build up to like, serve none but Korok in a way that's like really creepy Mm -hmm. um and is actually one of the things that if you like i think some some of the best horror writing makes you think about what would happen if you encountered it and how unsettling that would be and that's a moment where i was like man if i like logged into a chat room and i was just like chatting with my friends and then all of a sudden they were like on some demon wavelength like that I could like scroll through and be like, wait, what happened to Andrew? Why? No, no. Uh, and there's like a funny moment in the middle where like some like bot like logs in and tries to sell them like penis pills or whatever. And then just like logs out. And by the time that's done, like people are in full on like Yogg-Sagoth, like Cthulhu mode. Um, and I thought that worked pretty well. And it was a thing I had not seen before. Um, and there's, you know, there's a couple other struck me funnies where like, when Dave is wondering whether or not he's the real version of himself. And that's where we get like a little bit of the riddle again, where he's like, am I a good person? Does it matter whether or not I'm this like Korok copy person? Uh, He's getting in a fight with John and John just yells, human Dave wouldn't have said that loud enough for neighbors to hear. And I, I am a sucker for like inappropriate yelling so loud that a neighbor could hear it. Cause I, I live close to my neighbors and hear people yell all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I gotta say, open window season here in Philadelphia could do with like sixty percent less street yelling. Yeah, maybe just, just like, a little bit. Just like less of it, not none of it, but less. Um, so, um, did you want to get back to the axe thing? Sure, because we have all the information now. We do have all the information. Um, in the context of this book. I don't know that there's a good answer. Um, Dave leaves the book wondering if he's still himself. Amy assures him that whatever what he's been doing for her to keep her safe and make her life good is is enough. And he's wondering if he's ever going to kind of flip and be a bad person, which again goes back to like what he did when he uh, when he hurt his bully and like mm-hmm. hurt him bad. Uh, mm-hmm. But is he a person at all, or does he have a soul or not? Is a great question. I don't know that I have an answer. Are we just bags of meat? You're okay. <laughs> That's a bummer. I was did thinking about think the axe I, thing. Did you think specifically. I had an answer? Go to I the axe. No, I just I just wanted to know if you had thoughts. If you thought it out, because you read this whole you read this whole book, and it didn't sound like your brain had to be that busy for most of it. No, so my like brain was melting from this stuff. book. Are you kidding? Um, no, um, what do you think? I've it's I did get into slackered stoner territory because I was thinking like physically, no, it's not the same axe, but like 
notionally, it is the same axe. <laughs> and, yeah. And what matters more? Well, and because everything, like society and like money and everything, like it's all, it all is only real because we believe it is. So if I like believe this is my axe and I say, hey, this is my axe. Nice to meet you. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, and then you wait for them to laugh at the thing that you said. Uh-huh. I don't know. Perception is reality. So if you perceive it to be your axe, then it's yours, man. Sure. Sure. So if I if I perceive myself to be me, then I'm me. Yeah. Okay. Can I perceive myself? Are you, are you doing it right now? I feel like you're doing it right now. I am watching a stream of myself from six seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, who's oh, that no. guy? <laughs> who's that, that guy? Customer? Am I Mirror Craig? Oh no. Ooh. I don't think we're gonna solve this one today, Andrew. No, it's not a thing with a solution. So that's the book, I guess. Yeah, it's a book. <laughs> it's a book. <laughs> I told you I don't think I had like rage about this book. It just kind of made me tired because I was it trying does, to. It does sound like a lot, like in in the way that a. Like a twelve-year-old who's not funny, but who really thinks they're funny, is tiring. Yeah. <laughs> like it can it can be tiring when somebody is trying really, really, really hard to be humorous, and you can see all the effort, but it's not connecting with you. Like that's yeah, that can be tiring. And I think some of it is is like close to parody, but not explicit enough for me to get what it might be a parody of. Yeah, I just felt like he. It feels like he's not he's not willing to commit to any particular idea or genre or even like approach for long enough for it to for it to come together into a whole thing, you know. Yeah, and then it ends with a real slacker moment where like the two of them are playing basketball, they go into another dimension again and they're like, "Oh my god, the fabled heroes, we need you to save our world." And they're like, "No, nah, we're good." And they leave. <laughs> And then four other kids like go into the the warp hole and they come out and they're like, oh, man, we had this great adventure. You guys want to hear about it? And John's like, nah. And that's like kind of the end of like mm. let not only a rejection of the call, but a rejection of the notion of like heroism and telling the story, sure. which is a real like reality bites reaction to the rest of the story. <laughs> um. Gabby and, says, you don't have to wait till number three in the series to think, what the hell did I just read? Oh, that's clever. That's a good joke. That's a that's good a joke. Good Why couldn't they put more of those in this one? Um, there's put also like a lot. There's just like language usage that I don't love in this book. Just like. The uh, cusses. You just, I know you, how you don't like a cuss. I don't. It's not the cussing. It's like they're when he's tripping and he hears music on the radio, but some of the lyrics are like replaced with overly offensive slurs for some reason and you're is like it more in the the internet ironic racism yeah yeah i think comedy? so okay and i i think it's like at its most generous it is like the bad world intruding on his normal world at the least generous it's just like isn't it funny to say inappropriate stuff mm-hmm. um i think it could be fun if you're like up for some modern cosmic horror stuff like that stuff is at least inventive and and unique but i feel like the i maybe i'm not jiving with uh david wong's 
John. Yeah, whatever I mean, it's like we said, and it's, humor. it feels mean to bag on it for for 59 minutes and then yeah and then like right here at the end be like well everybody's entitled to what they like <laughs> but like chels in the chat says that they liked it um, yeah obviously devin who recommended it well sometimes i'm not sure if the people who recommend us books like them or i not. think sometimes devin i feel like it. sometimes yeah. i feel like people are recommending books to us and sometimes i think they're inflicting them on us sure and maybe I would like it. I would have liked it at a different time in my life, or liked it mm-hmm. at a different pace, rather than reading it for the show. Those things are all always possible. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a thing I struggle with sometimes too. Like it, in Middle March, even it's mm. I am I am consuming this book at a faster rate than I would ideally like to be consuming it. Sure, <laughs> and, sure, and it just changes your perception of the thing. So yeah, it's it's a yeah. I do like the ours is not the bases. only correct reaction yeah well one one of the correct reactions (laughs) it is a reaction um that's gonna do it for our episode i think um of craig dies at the end of the podcast um thanks everyone for hanging out with us in the chat and for supporting the show yeah if folks want to follow us online they can do it at twitter.com slash overdue pod or facebook.com slash overdue pod they can also write us an email at overduepod at gmail.com. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to overduepodcast.com. It's our internet website. Got links, all of them up there. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, rate and review us. Patreon, give us money. Everybody in the chat's here because they gave us money. So, like, what are you waiting for? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, Everybody in the chat is saying dance because Craig needs to skank. I thought we were going to do that after the show. Yeah, we can. I'm just making sure that everybody who is not in the chat right now knows that it's going to happen so they know what they're missing. Okay, that sounds <laughs> All good. Right, to everybody. Me. Um, we'll skank you later. And until then, try to be happy. <laughs> okay, dance. Do the skank. How do, how do you skank? That was a headgum podcast. They're kind of mall rats. Ooh, I just burped. (laughs) (laughs) The chat, the chat is lighting up at the David Wong thing, so that's great. Um, So yeah, they work at a video. We're on like a six-second lag. Yes, I'm just waiting for them burp chats to drop. These episodes already have some extra uh, padding to them, and it's usually waiting for the burps to drop. Um.